Last week uh, I finished a series uh, entitled uh, Proclaiming the Good News. And for many weeks I shared with you about how when you look at the Bible, the gospel of Christ was spread not just because people told people the right information, although that's part of it, but it was more than just an argument, it was more than a debate, it was more than just telling people. It's that they went around everywhere splashing God all over the place on people, praying for people, and seeing God do miracles in people's lives. People's lives, by the way, that weren't believers. Oftentimes we think, well, in order to get a miracle, you need to pray first and become a Christian and get very devout. And, you know, and then, no, 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 no. God is so anxious and so willing to touch people's lives. He'll touch somebody's lives that doesn't believe anything. And I think that's cool. And we read how God went around and did some incredible things through the disciples and, and as they preached the gospel. And uh, some miracles were dramatic, some were very basic and simple. Uh, how they prayed for people who were hurting and in need, and how they would even pray for people who didn't ask to be prayed for at all, <laughs> which I always thought was the coolest ones, you know. These people were like, whoa, what are you doing, you know? And then God would show up and do something powerful in their lives, and I've encouraged all of you, be strong and confident in your faith. So well, I don't always know what to say or how to argue. It's not about arguing or debating. It's about praying and touching uh, people's lives with the power of God. And as you see people, and you see opportunities. Pray for people. Be bold in your faith. See what God does. And uh, already starting to hear testimonies of people as they're starting to step out and pray for people. I, I just heard a, a fabulous story uh, in the foyer before the service began. Uh, one of our ladies was with a bunch of girls who were uh, either some, I didn't catch if they were playing soccer or whatever the deal is. But uh, they were all out there, you know, running around and one really hurt. Uh, her hip really badly and uh, had come to the to the group and they're all huddled around her and she was in a lot of pain and she started talking about oh man I gotta go on this long road trip and you know uh, when you're hurting like that to sit in one place for a long time just aggravates things and she was just concerned about the pain she was gonna have and maybe she wouldn't be able to help drive and stuff and uh, <laughs> the girl from our church said well let me pray for you and uh, she said right away everybody just they bow their head very religiously, you know. But she said, I went right up to her and I prayed for her and I asked God to heal that uh, hurt hip. And uh, said amen. And, and then uh, one of the ladies very sarcastic, sarcastically said, well, I want to hear what happens to that hip now. You know, kind of just joking and making fun. Well, she said she received an email that got sent to all those ladies from this lady a few days later. Said, I'm telling you, it was amazing. There was no more pain in my hip. I drove the entire trip. I had no discomfort. I even drove. It was amazing. It was amazing in capital letters, you know, so. <laughs> I think it's so cool, you know. <laughs> because that's what gets people's attention, you know. Now we're not into the realm of arguing and debating. It's God touching people's lives. I told her I want to hear how God continues to reveal himself to that lady and to those ladies. A lot of times the miracle happened not even to it, it, the people, but they'd see it in someone else like this group. And then as a result, they all became Christians. You never know how God will use you. Uh, and then we ended uh, in last week's uh, message pointing out that some of the miracles that we can do in people's lives are of the simplest in nature. It's simply 
helping someone in a time of need. Sometimes the smallest act of kindness. To you, it's no big deal. But to that person who's hurting, to that person who's in pain, to that person who's struggling, man, that is a miracle. We read the story of the Good Samaritan, how Jesus told the story of a man who had been waylaid by thieves and beaten, left for dead. And he's sitting there laying in the road, desperately wanting a miracle. The miracle would have just simply been somebody stop and help me. And Jesus told the story how some religious people would walk by and see them and just go to the other side of the road and ignore them and left this man in desperate straits. And then finally this Samaritan, this non-religious man, stops and helps this guy. Now I'm sure it was no big deal to the Samaritan, but to that person, that was a miracle, you see. And how we need to be reaching out and touching people with the love of God in some of the most basic of ways. In fact, how we will even be, uh, that will be brought to us on Judgment Day. Did we, in fact, do those kinds of things? We read in Matthew, the 25th chapter, I want to read it again, where Jesus tells, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, and we sit on his throne in heavenly glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people, one from another, as, as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He said he'll put the sheep on his right, the goats on his left, and then the king on this judgment day will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty, give you something to drink? When, when did we see you a stranger, invite you in or needing clothes and, uh, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit? When did we ever do any of these things? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brother, of brothers of mine, you did for me. And I talked about the importance as men and women of faith, as representatives of the kingdom of God here on this earth, how it's important for us to reach out to people in need, not only to pray for them, but to be there in kindness and to assist in whatever ways that we can. Now, one of the reasons churches don't get more actively involved in ministries designed to help the needy is because, quite frankly, they use all their energies they can just to meet the basic needs of the church, the basic budget needs of the church. And I'm sad to say that this is even true with our church. Oh, we have missions programs and such, but it really turns out to be a very small part of what we do because most of our finances, most of our energies go to meet the basic operating needs of the church. And most churches, quite frankly, are that in that place. And it has very little to do with even the size of the church. It's easy to think that in a church this size, that that would be a natural uh, struggle. But it happens to churches of all sizes, even little tiny churches of a hundred people or less struggle and all their money and all their energies and all their intentions are just trying to meet the basic budget 
needs of the church. It doesn't seem to make much of a difference how big the church gets. And as a result, they spend so much time uh, doing that instead of doing what the Bible tells us that we should be doing as well. Now, I mentioned last week that uh, not only are we supposed to be helping people at large, that really the strongest energy we should be given is towards our own brothers and sisters that are part of our family of faith. We're supposed to be there helping one another. The New Testament church, it was quite stunning when you read what they did. The Bible says people would sell properties and stuff they didn't need. And they'd bring the money to the church and the Bible says nobody lacked for anything. People had their needs met because they were part of a family. And I talk, man, wouldn't it be great if we started just have some kind of a program where people in need within the faith community we could be there for one another. And I got to tell you, I have had a tsunami of response from people in the church who are absolutely thrilled about this idea, who think it's just a brilliant idea. Actually, I think all my ideas are brilliant, but this one <clears throat> seemed to be unusually brilliant for people. And, and how many wonderful responses and volunteers and people say, man, I'll help you develop the program in ways of putting this all together so I probably won't respond to all those emails but uh, I got them all so if we need your help we'll definitely contact you uh, most of it isn't really just about the, the distributed distribution method uh, it's uh, I need to meet with our staff I haven't had a chance to even see them this last week and uh, but to sit down with them and, and come up with some kind of basic rules and structure for how to do this because it's interesting in the New Testament, as much as that great big love fest was going on and everybody was there for one another and God was doing miracles, it's interesting, the first fight that they had in the church was over who gets helped and who doesn't get helped. We read about it in Acts, the sixth chapter. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food and you're not treating everybody fairly. And la, 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 and, you know, the snakes come out when there's money involved. And that's when they first got the first deacons together. That was their role, was to help decide how this distribution should be met. And actually, as you read in the New Testament, you'll often see that they had very strict rules about who would be helped and who wouldn't be helped. And I just want us to walk through that. I don't know how detailed we need to get, but uh, make no mistake, uh, we don't want people who are just milking the system to take advantage of the generosity of others. Uh, now we don't want to become cynical and then not be generous as a result, but just put some uh, safeguards in play uh, so, so that it's, it's fair to all. You'll, you'll even read Paul was a pretty strong uh, he, uh, there was a situation where guys who weren't working um, and refused to work still came asking for help. And Paul, in his great heart of compassion, said, let them starve. <laughs> Pretty tough, huh? Especially for a Christian man. He says, if they don't work, they don't eat. Straight up. You know, I mean, he had very strict rules. They had rules that if you had a family member who was in financial need, Paul said, don't bring them to the church. You take care of them. If you can't help support your own family, take care of your own family and friends and stuff like that, or your own family, he says, you're worse than an infidel. So, I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. 
it wasn't just a big pig fest and everybody just came in and anybody who uh, <clears throat> didn't feel like taking care of themselves or being responsible just sat at the trough. Uh, no, that's not how it was, was working. And so uh, we want to make sure there's some kind of a <clears throat> way of filtering out things like that. But having said that, I don't want to be paranoid about it. I want to be in a situation where as a family of faith, we are there for each other. Someone... Uh, like I said last week, the refrigerator busts and someone has an extra refrigerator. By the way, I had some people saying, I'll help that person with a refrigerator. That was just an, an example. I don't know if someone... <laughs> I mean, it's great. I mean, all the people say, I'll be, I'll be there. I mean, that's the heart of the people here. So we, as pastors, we need, and, and staff, we need to harness that heart of generosity towards one another and, and, and let that be a strong statement in our community that, hey, you're part of this family. You're part of a family that's going to be there for you. So give us a little bit of time to work all that out and we'll... We'll get there with you. Now, as your pastors, we've been talking about how we can be more intentional in our mission, missions efforts here at Celebration Church. And we've been talking about, you know, how can we do this so that we can be more effective in some of this practical, common sense Christianity. And of course, the thing that keeps coming up is, well, the number one thing we have to do is we have to meet the basic budget needs of the church. Because let's face it, if the church can't survive, then all that is for naught anyway. So it's a clear need that has to be met. And we've been talking about it for some time. And, and one of the pastors, Pastor Rod over at Stevens Point, came up with, a, I think, a pretty, pretty brilliant idea on, on how we can change what we've been doing. Now let me explain to you what we've been doing in the past. We've been doing what virtually every other church in America does. And that is annually we have a special uh, fund drive where we would take pledges and stuff. Many of you have pledged over the past years to give X amount of dollars extra over the year. And, you know, as those monies come in, it helps us to meet our goals and that kind of thing. The problem with that is it's becoming increasingly difficult uh, to keep people focused on doing what they said they were going to do. Someone said to me earlier, said, well, that's just because it's been a rough year this last year financially for people. No, because that doesn't explain the previous years <laughs> where it was the same problem, you know. It's just, we, we just have a different culture today. There's so many distractions in life. It's not that people are evil. It's just with all the distractions in life, it's, people have literally developed giving ADD. <laughs> and they can't stay focused. I mean, if you're right there saying, meet the need, people go, yeah, I'll meet the need. And then if you go, well, promise to meet the need over the next 12 months, yeah, I'll do that. And then about three months later, they you know, they're, they're off in space somewhere. And they're just forgetting. And then we've got to keep reminding people. And, and, and instead of using our energies to do something significant in new ways, we've got to spend our energies just trying to remember the pledge and all this kind of stuff. And we've had our imagining campaigns and all that kind of stuff. So we, that's what we've <clears throat> been doing. And uh, we always would do this in the fall. And it's a fall again. And we're getting ready to do, uh, uh, you know, another focus on, on giving. And uh, last year we did the... Uh, 40-day journey to a more generous life. That's kind of a fun devotional we did all together. Uh, we're doing another one this year uh, called Generosity, which uh, you'll see in your bulletin. You saw on the video clip coming in to the message. This is going to be our focus over the next four uh, weeks or so, uh, pointing our hearts toward the importance of generosity and financial support for the kingdom of God. Now, people don't like... <clears throat> Uh, talking about money. Actually, people don't like <laughs> hearing about giving money. It's really the big problem. But I don't like talking about it either. Um, you know, it's one of the slams. People get all jiggity and goofy and, yeah, preachers are just all after money and stuff, you know. And it's, that's, that's not the case. It's not like we're on commission here. 
you know, it's, it's not like I get a percentage of whatever you give in an offering, you know. And certainly from my viewpoint, uh, I'm not here because of money. Uh, I am the least paid pastor uh, of all the staff that we have. And I do that intentionally. I don't have to do that. I think I should be able to get paid as much or more than anyone in this organization. I choose not to take it uh, because I'm more interested in seeing this church succeed. In addition to that, I travel uh, all over the country speaking and teaching and having opportunities to minister and to help other people. Uh, And at times, you know, about 10% of my time I'm not able to be here. Most of the time I'm here all the time. But sometimes I can't, and I hear people complain about that sometimes. But when I'm doing that, it's helping to pay the bills of that ministry, and we also help support this church. Uh, me doing what I do makes a difference somewhere in the area of three hundred to $500,000 a year here at Celebration Church. I don't say that to brag. I just say that to say that my heart is with this church. I'm not here trying to get stuff out of anybody. I'm here. I, personally, I'd carry the whole church if I could. Uh, but I can't. And really, God never intends any one person to do that. So, you know, even if the church had all the money in the world, you should still be given because that's what God has called us to do. We're supposed to be generous people. But just so you know, my heart, I promise you, I'd be much better off financially if I wasn't pastoring the church. I choose to pastor the church because I like pastoring this church. And I love being part of this. And I thank God God's given me the ability to do Uh, what we can do to make it easier here. But uh, so it's not about me making out like a bandit, you know, off of people's money. This is about encouraging people on on two ends. One, just for you. You need to learn to be givers because as you give, God will bless you. You have to understand, God wants to bless you. Just like God wants to to do miracles in people's lives. So why why doesn't God just do that? Because he set up things the way he set them up. He wants you to go pray for them so that he can do miracles in people's lives. Just like this lady at the soccer game or whatever. You know, God saw this person hurting. God's thinking is, I want to heal this person. But he needs someone to pray for them. And they stepped up and prayed. God thinks that way about you. He's thinking, I want to bless you financially. That's God's attitude. He sees your struggles. He sees what you're going through. He's not blind. He's a big boy. He sees it all. He has a heart of wanting to bless you. But he says, I won't bless them unless they give. And he wants you to give so you can trust him. And then as a result, he will bless you. This is God's heart. So I I want you to learn to be generous. Not for any benefit for me, but so that you can be blessed. And then secondly, so the church can do what the church has been called to do. So we're going to start this new uh, generosity program we're going to be doing. It's a new devotion we'll be doing together for the next four weeks. Uh, My brother Eddie's going to be here next week. We haven't seen ugly Eddie in a while. And uh, he'll... (laughs) He can't help it. He's ugly. But uh, anyway... and uh, so he's going to be he's going to kick it off next week and it's going to be great we'll get the devotionals and it's something we can do as a family of faith just kind of challenging our hearts you know let's put God's first kingdom first let's be generous let's be generous people and willing to be the reality is it is what it is and it's with every church but boy if everybody consistently gave there would be no need for these annual campaigns to make up the difference but it is what it is and until we grow. I want you to get comfortable with giving. Give The Bible says give with a joyful heart. You know, don't give like you're giving birth. You know. Now some people, you know, the offering goes by. They're throwing a buck in there and it's like there's a Lamaz breathing kicks in. You know, so like, ah! Oh, you know, don't 
be like that. I mean, come on. Be generous. Quit freaking out all the time. Not like I'm going off to Vegas with your money for crying out loud. This is for the kingdom of God so we can take care of stuff around here. So we're going to be starting that next week. And then Pastor Rod came up with this great idea. And he said, you know what we ought to do as we bring this campaign to an end on November 8th? We ought to all get together, have all of Celebration Church meet at one time in one gigantic service. Well, the reality is we have a pretty big congregation um, you know, and you're only seeing a piece of it here in this room and in the rooms where you guys are watching, you know, everybody doesn't see it all. Uh, and there is no, we don't have one building big enough to host everybody at once. So we decided what we're going to do is we have rented out the KI Center and we are going to have one big Yo Mama church meeting on number, November 8th, which... That's very cool. So we're going to run it. We've rented out the KI Center. We're all going to get together for one gigantic church meeting uh, at 1030 on November 8th. And yes, there is no Packer game that day at home. So just relax. I don't, don't, don't want to miss that, you know. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> I get it. I get it. I, but uh you know, so there's no home game, and we're going to do this, and we are going to have one big celebration. You're going to see just how big this church is when everybody gathers together, and it's going to be great fun, uh, great celebration. And what we're going to do now is, is this idea. Instead of coming up with an annual pledge and then working you for the year to make sure you don't forget, we thought, you know, let's just have one intentional gathering where we're going to come and we're going to have one special offering. Just a one-time deal to see if we can't just, boom, get it done and get it out of the way. And if we can do it with one great big gathering a year, then great. If we have to do it in the spring as well, then so be it. But let's not have to be milking this thing all year long. Let's all get together. And uh, we came up with this theme of one, three, five. One church, three cities, five locations. And we're all getting together. And we thought, what we're going to do is we're going to challenge people off of this theme of 135. And we're going to challenge you to step up and trust God for on November 8th to give a special offering of either $100, $300, or $500. So we're going for every adult to come up with either $100, $300, or $500. Now the Bible says to give in accordance to your ability to give with what God has blessed you. The truth is, there's a small percentage of people, you could easily add a zero to any one of those numbers. And if you could do that, great, God bless you, that's between you and God. But 100, 300, 500 pretty much nails most of us in here in terms of our ability. Even some of you teenagers between now and November 8th can work extra hard and, uh, and say, Mom, what can I do around the house? And, and, and come up with 100, 100 is not that much money. And if everybody did something, we could do just one deal and be done with it. And now we can focus every month on a special things to help feed the poor and touch people's lives and do these things that Jesus has called us to do. And not be all caught up in having to worry about this annual giving thing. So one, three, or five. And we're going to be reminding you this over this, the next several weeks as we go into this. On taking this special offering. Now this is separate from your regular weekly offering. You can't do for one offering all year. Not taking offerings anymore. But we'll have our regular offerings. But this is just to make up that difference. That lack. Uh, because of uh, what we do. And, and it's really not that people are wicked or bad. I mean the truth is we have a very fast growing church. 
and it takes a while for people. A lot of you people have been coming have been coming here for a year or less, and it's kind of new for you, and it's you know it's hard for people to. But at the same time, you have to have the facilities and the outreaches so the new people can come, but the new people that come don't really support that much. So that's why we got to come to this special supplemental giving that we're going to do. And I think it'll be great. And hopefully we can just take care of it in one deal. Uh, the guys over in Stevens Point, you guys are going to, you're the furthest ones away. Uh, you're, we're going to have buses and bring you guys over for the big gathering there. So, well, I don't want to ride a bus. Well, then you can drive. Or if you don't, you can, <coughs> if you don't want to drive, you can do what Pastor Rod is doing. He's going to run the entire way. 135 miles he is going to jog. He's a, he's a long-distance runner, and uh, he thought this would be kind of a fun thing to do. Uh, some of you guys who are long-distance runners, if you want to join with them, they're going to make a big deal. They're going to time it out, so they're going to show up at the KI Center as we are doing our service there. You probably won't want to hug them. I, a, I love you from a distance, my brother, you know, but uh, being sweaty and all. But that's cool. So we're gonna, they're going to be encouraged as he's going to jog and run this whole thing. And I don't know, maybe we'll get celebration people cheering him along the way, yelling, run, Forrest, run! You know, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll have fun with it. And, uh, and any ideas you can come up with think, hey, we're going to make this a special day. Then let us hear what you'd like to do and stuff. But trust God for that $100, $300, $500 per adult. If we did that, it would make a huge deal. And we can go forward. Uh, the rest of the year and focus on these things where Jesus said, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. We can do that now because we're not having to worry about the basic needs of the church. You were thirsty and we gave you something to drink. As a stranger, we invited those that nobody else wanted in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Let's Make that the hallmark of our special uh, giving all year long. I'm going to invite the ushers at this time to come around the different campuses and get ready to serve communion this morning. Musicians can come as we get ready to bring our service to an end. The Bible tells us when we take communion that uh, it's a time to examine ourselves. It's, It's supposed to be a time of reflection. This is where we turn our hearts and our energies, our thoughts, to what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross 2,000 years ago. He died on that cross so that we could have life. Uh, His body was broken. We're going to be thinking about that as we take communion. His body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could be washed clean from all the sins of our lives. You say, well, I don't really need to worry about that. I'm not that bad of a person. Look. Without Jesus, you are hopelessly lost. If you could be good enough on your own, Jesus would not have died on the cross. He would have just said, be good enough. He didn't want to do what he did. This was quite brutal for him. He even prayed in the garden, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. But there was no other way. There's... No way that you can be kind enough or good enough or give enough money. or There's nothing you can do to earn your way to God. That's why we needed a Savior. Jesus Christ died on that cross so you and I could be right with God. My question to you this morning is, have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you experienced God 
in your life as we've been talking about this morning. And I'm talking about really experiencing God, not just pie in the sky out there. I mean, is God evident in your life? If you've never truly experienced God in your life, I'm going to invite everyone to bow their heads with me and we're going to pray a prayer together. And as I pray this prayer, I'm going to ask everyone all over the campuses to repeat this prayer after me. If you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus, if you will pray this prayer with us and really believe in the bottom of your heart and mean this, you can experience your first steps of faith today and really start to experience God in your life. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.